0: You are listening to the official podcast of the First Baptist Church of Hamilton, Illinois, a church committed to Christ and His Word. We exist to glorify God through unity, love, and maturity. I invite you to open your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Today, we will be continuing chapter 5. We will cover verses 8 through 12. Please follow along as I read. If you see in a province the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter, for the high official is watched by a higher, and there are yet higher ones over them. But this is gain for a land in every way, Father, today we pray for faith to believe that you rule the world in truth with justice and love. We pray for faith to believe that if we seek first your kingdom and righteousness, you will provide our needs. We pray to put our trust in you and not in anyone or anything else. As we unpack this text today, let our souls rest in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, here we are again, this old familiar place of money and oppression. It seems to be a repeated pattern here, right? But that's a good thing. When we see repetition in Scripture, we should really dig in and pay attention. There's a meaning behind it. There's a reason for it. The information that he's repeating now is a little bit different, and we'll get to that in a moment. So in verse 8, we see the writer saying, If you see in a province the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter, for the high official is watched by a higher, and there are yet higher ones over them. Essentially, what he is saying is, it should be no surprise that we see these things in a fallen, sinful, broken world. And so when we look at the oppression of the poor, We are seeing that it is apparently normal for the government to oppress people and we see injustice taking place. But why? Why is this normal and not a surprise to us? Perhaps it is because we've gotten so used to seeing it or reading about it or hearing about it. Have have any of you ever seen some form of injustice taking place and just kept out of it? I have. I've seen it driving down through the city and things like that. You see it and you're just like, eh, I'm not getting involved and you keep going. So we see this. This has become common, especially in America. And it ends up becoming something where we say, well, that's just the way it is. It leads us to believe that there's corruption at every level of government. Because we think somebody should be taking care of this, but we don't see anybody actually doing it. We hear about it. We hear a lot of politicians say, oh, we're going to cut down on crime or we're going to do these things. But we never really see it take place. Some politicians usually get into politics or in positions of power for pure pure motives. But many others just want the power and they want the kickbacks that they get. And for us, we have to realize that these people are in the same boat as us. They're sinners just like the rest of us. They're no better just because they're in this position of authority. Even the best governments are not perfect. We look at our own country and we really see that. We have what is considered to be the best form of government in the world, but it's not without corruption or even oppression. And we have checks and balances to limit that, and we still have it. The end of verse 8 is quite interesting. We read, For the high official is watched by a higher, and there are yet higher ones over them. We see a a twofold possibility here. First, that everyone has a boss. When we look at this from the eyes of looking at a business, we see the supervisor has a supervisor, who has a supervisor, who has a supervisor, all the way up to the CEO. But even the CEO has a boss. The people, right? The customers. We've all heard the saying, the customer's always right. But then beyond that, the CEO has government regulators. So there's always a boss. The government regulators have a boss. And that's the people. We vote. You see, each person has a boss to try and keep this oppression down and limited. But the author's telling us here that someone is watching or should be watching, and so we should have someone to confront with truth and to show that oppression or injustice is not okay and that needs dealt with. And so we have this chain of command that we go up or we go down, however we need to do it to, to deal with the situation. But when we look at it from a spiritual standpoint, we see something even more profound. God is always watching. God's the highest boss. He knows about the oppression. He knows about the injustice. This is why he sent Jesus. When Jesus returns, he will make all things new. Paul reminds us in Romans twelve nineteen. he says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So while it is important to point out oppression and injustice, we should never take revenge for it. We should never go to right the wrong from a vengeance standpoint. That's the job of God. We're not God. We need to rely on him and, unfortunately, not the government, like a lot of people would think. As one commentator puts it, quote, Rather than looking for the government to solve our problems, we need to acknowledge that even the best rulers fall well short of perfection. Therefore, we live in the hope of a better administration, one that we may not find in Ecclesiastes, but do find in the gospel. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it, with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. That's Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. That is the gospel. This is what we hope in. This is where we find comfort for our souls in the face of injustice and oppression. Not from the government, but from the Lord. And this brings me to my first point. We find comfort for our souls in the gospel. Now, verse 9 is a very difficult one to translate. It says, But this is gain for a land in every way, a king committed to cultivated fields. I took a lot of time studying this. There's a various. Uh, there's a variety of opinions of what this text actually means when translated from Hebrew. It's very difficult. It's very challenging. And it's almost like a balance thing that even a corrupt government is better than anarchy. It's kind of like that, well, on the one hand we have this, but we don't have this, so it's good, right? That's kind of what the point he's getting across here. And so... He says, he's essentially saying the king wants to eat just like the rest of us. And while the king may eat better than the poor, the poor are the ones doing the work. And so if the king wants to eat, he kind of needs the poor. And so he kind of balances things out as best he can. The world would fall apart if everyone was rich and had everything they wanted. That's why we have to have this balance. Because there would be nobody to plow the fields, to plant the crops, to do the labor. If everybody was rich, we'd all just be like, "Well, what are we going to do now? I guess eat our money because there's nothing else." And so even if we cannot fully understand it, we have to trust in God's plan. Now looking at the last half of our study today, we find the preacher speaking about money yet again. And so so far in chapter 5, when he when we've seen these instances of repetition, we see that it's on a national level. And now he's pointing out the the personal level. He says, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. Here's an illustration for you on what this means. Have you ever heard your eyes were bigger than your stomach? Happens to me every time I go to the salad bar. I'm like, ooh, this looks good. I know I can come back, but I think I just need to make a Mount Everest on this plate and then I'll be back. My eyes are bigger than my stomach. When it comes to wealth, income, or money, our stomachs are bigger than our eyes. See, it's reversed. We cannot be satisfied with money because our stomachs will consume more than our eyes can see and our eyes can see a lot. It's similar to eating Chinese food. For some reason, you're hungry 30 minutes later. You could eat a ton of Chinese food, and in 30 minutes, you're like, whew, I'm hungry. What do, we got? what do we got to eat now? It's the same kind of concept. You just devour and devour, and take it in and take it in, but you're never full. You're never satisfied. It's kind of like having a tapeworm. It's just in and in and in. The preacher tells us this is Vanity. Now, if we think back to our first week in Ecclesiastes, vanity or hevel, the Hebrew meaning, is of no account a vapor, a mist, an idol. It's a temptation for all of us. Money can be of such a temptation for many of us that we will neglect those closest to us that we love in search of it. How many have ever heard, I have to work 80 hours a week just to get by, and my life is a mess. The bank is calling for the house note. The bank's calling for the car note. My 80-inch TV's on the fritz. My kids aren't doing well in school. I just don't understand where all this money is going. And why my kids aren't doing well in school. I'm working, working, working. Is it necessary to work that much just to have those things? Are the kids doing poor because they don't have any structure because mom and or dad are both working 80 hours a week? It's no wonder that America is in the shape it's in because this is our common practice due to the vanity of wealth and income. I read in my studying this week that John D. Rockefeller was one of the richest men in the world and someone asked him how much money was enough and he famously replied, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more and I can get what I've always wanted. This is one of the biggest lies we tell ourselves. It's never enough because we just move on to the next thing that we want. And then the next thing. It's like a domino. It's just crashing. The next one, the next one, the next one. It doesn't make things better at all. Yes, you should work hard, but not to the point we are making money and idle. This leads me to point number two. Trust in God's blessings and provision and be content. The Apostle Paul offers us a good reminder about being content. In his letter to the Philippians, he said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger abundance, and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Now that last little bit is usually taken out of context. It is saying that Paul can be content facing plenty. He can be content facing hunger, in abundance and in need. He is content because Christ strengthens him. It's not that you can do anything because Christ strengthens you. I cannot go and play that piano right now because of Christ's strength. I, I don't know how to play the piano. But... Because of Christ, somebody else can, and I can enjoy it. So you see the error where people make this with context. Now the preacher writes, when goods increase, they increase who eat them, and what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Let's go back to what I said a few minutes ago about the parents working. They have the car, the house, the large television, maybe a pool. When do they have time to use these things? You look out the window from work and you look at the fancy car you have, but you can't drive it because you're working 12-hour shift. And you're working that 12-hour shift because that's the only way you can afford the car. You only have time to spend in the house to sleep because the rest of the time you're spent at work and maintaining the house. So the house don't fall apart. The kids are always watching the TV, so you can't sit down to watch it. Trust me, I'm, I know this. I'm well-versed in my kids watching the TV, so I can't. Besides, you're busy working and fixing the house. You don't have time for TV. You're busy cleaning the pool, so you don't have time to swim in it. See where I'm going with this? It's vanity, maybe even insanity. The kids enjoying all the fruits of your hard work is what is meant by they increase who eat them. But it doesn't have to just be your kids. It can be the government in the form of higher taxes. It can be the friend who still hasn't found a job that's staying on your couch. The list can go on forever. Here's my third point. If you are so busy chasing all of these things and working, where is there time in your life for God? Surely you can't be content in Christ if you're busy with all these other things. God's probably the last thing on your mind. Now we move on to our final verse. It says, Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats a little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. Have you ever had a hard day's work and went to bed and it felt good? That's what it's talking about. Whether you ate a meal before bed or were too poor to eat anything, and you went to bed hungry, you were so exhausted that all you wanted was a good night's sleep. Rich people don't have this problem. They're always on the hunt for money. They call it hustling. Hustling, I gotta get that money. They're worried about their investment portfolio. What's the market gonna do tomorrow? Should I leave a message with my broker to sell everything because ABC company announced they're having a rough rough month after the market closed? Or it could be because the rich eat a gluttonous diet and have indigestion and stomach problems. It could be both. But even so, the rich worry about more and more. And sure, a lot of rich people do work hard, but it's often not laborious physical work. So they don't... Sleep a good night's sleep. To summarize, there is injustice and oppression, but we find comfort for our souls in the gospel. Chasing after money is like trying to catch the wind with our hands. So trust in God's blessing and His provision and be content. If you are too busy to enjoy the things you are working for, have you left any room for God? Our application today is simple. Remind yourself of the gospel. Because of the gospel, you can trust in God's blessings and provisions and have contentment. If you have not had room for God in your life lately, you need to take a break. Need to slow down, scale back on things. Need to seek the Lord in His Word and in prayer and in fellowship with other believers, not just on Sunday morning. Go out and enjoy God's creation. It will bring about a renewed sense of awe for God and put things in perspective. You see, the author of Ecclesiastes here keeps hammering on these two points. He doesn't have all the answers. Remember, he's pre-Jesus, so he doesn't know what the Messiah is going to do. He doesn't know when he's coming. He just knows that right now this is horrible. It doesn't feel good. And he's rich. He's the king. He said he's richer than any before him. And he sees it all. And he suffers through it. It's lonely. He calls it the vanity of wealth and honor. And it it ties back into the proverb we read this morning Proverbs 18. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. When wickedness comes, contempt comes also, and with dishonor comes disgrace. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. It is not good to be partial to the wicked or to deprive the righteous of justice. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels, they go down into the inner parts of the body. This is the injustice. It happens all around us. We do it to ourselves, and we can't even help it. And we know, we sit in here week after week, and we say, Oh, I've got to stop that stuff. I need the Lord we walk right out the doors and start all over again. We've got to stop doing that. We've got to trust in God and be content. Let's pray. Father, let us see your blessings in our life. Let us find contentment only in you. If we should chase after or reach out for anything but you, let us put it away from ourselves. Let our focus be entirely on you. We know that you care for us more than the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. Let us see our value that you see in us, and let us take that to the community so they can see through us that you value them. For Jesus' sake, amen. Thank you for listening to the official podcast of the First Baptist Church of Hamilton, Illinois. If you have questions about today's message, please reach out to us via our website at www.fbcofhamilton.com.